Welcome to the World of Wellness, your one-stop shop for education, inspiration, and practical tools to build a healthy, sustainable, holistic lifestyle. I'm your host, Megan Zucra, and together we're gonna get fit, feel good, and have fun. Let's do this. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the World of Wellness podcast. I'm your grateful host, Megan Zucra, and today we are going to have special guest Andy Mayhew on. Andy's been on the podcast before. I'm very grateful that Andy's a great colleague of mine and just love having a conversation with him. So we're going to talk about fasting today. I recently went on a three-day fast, about 60 hours, and really went into it blindly, just knowing that's what I wanted to do was a water fast. We'll talk about it all in there. Um, But I really wanted to understand deeper what was happening to my body, why I was doing it, and kind of go into the physiology aspect of it. So if you have any interest, curiosity about fasting and the great benefits that you can get from it, you will definitely want to listen to this episode. And Andy is a nutrition consultant, health coach, food nerd, life junkie who just loves helping people navigate their way to another level of health that they may have not have thought possible. And Andy's one of the most knowledgeable people I know in the nutrition world. So, so stoked to bring you another conversation with Andy Mayhew today. All right, Andy, I'm so excited. Thanks for coming on today. Yes, we're back. (laughs) I'm actually really excited because I feel like the last time you were on was one of my first podcasts, and I'm sure I've gotten a little bit better at this from going. Yeah, so this I'm will sure be a lot of fun. Had. That was quite a bit ago, yeah. Gosh, I think that was like April of last year. Sounds about right. So I wanted to have you on today because I just went through a three day fasting myself. Okay. Right. And I had. I, I, I didn't do it necessarily for like, basically I did it for my mind, not for my body, but I want to talk about the benefit is of the body. So I'll kind of, as I ask you these questions, interject my experiences with it, Sure. but what is fasting? To me, fasting is not eating food. Yeah. And You know, you could take that in a couple of directions and say, well, does that mean water only or no calories or nothing that you would chew? And it's really up to the the person doing it. You know, uh, like you said, you you did it for for reasons other than um, what you thought the physical benefits were going to be and did it for more for mental benefits. Yeah. So it it can mean a lot. I mean, it could be something as strict as a water only fast where you are taking in nothing but water um, to a, a, some people call it a juice fast where you're only doing juicing um, or maybe you'll drink water, but you also drink coffee and tea or some people are putting a little fat in their coffee or tea and they're doing what's called an insulin fast. Um, so, but when I think of fasting personally to me, it means not eating food, Okay, or taking it, taking in calories, I guess you would, you would call it. So when I did, I, and this is also a reason why I wanted to chat with you about this too, because I, I, I get a little bit overwhelmed, like when I'm trying to research something new, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there's, 
There's so many different things out there, right? There's so, there's so many different styles. So what I ended up doing, and I mostly did this because I think I'm addicted to caffeine at this point, which is a probably in prominent self, but I did it where I drank coffee in the morning mm-hmm. and then I drank water and I drank hot lemon water. And then like once a day, I would put a little bit of apple cider vinegar in my um, okay. water. And then it was so funny because by the end of the day too, I realized that maybe I wasn't fasting because I would eat the rinds of a lemon. I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) But then I had to put my logical deduction in there of like, okay, a lemon rind probably isn't really going to affect me that much. (laughs) Not not much, not much. So is there like, and then when I was also doing research, I was, I, I was looking at some people were having bone broth with it too. So when first why would somebody fast in the first place i i what i'll answer most of these questions probably first on a personal yeah okay um and you know whenever you're talking nutrition it's good to understand that nutrition is although it's it is kind of a, a hard science from the medical standpoint but it's a loose science um, kind of a human science as as it relates to our ability to track the correlation between nutrients and health, because we don't have a lot of good markers for that. And we don't have a lot of people raising their hands saying that I'll be a guinea pig to try to eat this particular way to see if it increases my risk for a heart disease. You know, so a lot of our the information that we have as nutritionists and dietitians and doctors and whatnot, um, is based on epidemiological studies, which takes, uh, you know, large pictures of groups of people and tries to identify, you know, tries to put them in groups and saying, based on these groups habits, here's the effects it is of having on their health or animal models, which is, you know, typically like rats and mice. Um, so that could go a lot of different ways. You know, I mean, if you were to ask me, well, what did I eat for the last 30 days and how do I feel? Um, that's going to be real arbitrary because I have to remember what I was, what I ate um, and then quantify how I feel. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's not really hard data in that sense. Um, so I'll answer it first on a personal level and maybe on a level of maybe what general population would be. So for me, I look at fasting as a way to kind of break the cycle of overeating. I think as humans, we all typically overeat nowadays because we can, you know, I mean, it's, it's available. Food is what keeps us alive and keeps us going. And we all have a strong affinity towards it. So you had mentioned, you think you're addicted to caffeine. (laughs) Well, I can definitely guarantee you I'm addicted to food. Yeah. And I would imagine anybody else that's alive and breathing is addicted to food as well. Right. So, you know, I mean, what happens to somebody who's in the the throes of addiction when they're, when they're put right in the middle of everything they're addicted to? Like, you know, when somebody's addicted to alcohol, you know, one of the first things they do, they try to separate themselves from the alcohol. Well, we can't separate ourselves from the food. And so knowing, knowing this about yourself um, can then 
show you that, okay, there are going to be times in, when you probably should back off from that for a while. And fasting is a way for me to kind of manage that. That, you know, most of the time I'm probably eating more than I need to or more than I should, or I'm getting too much of one nutrient than, than the other. And um, it's not the only tool that I use to combat that, but it's one of the ones that I use to kind of um, keep myself in check, if that's, if that's a, a, um, a good term to use. Now, from somebody else's point of view, it, it can mean a lot of things. They might do it as um, a method of weight loss because they're trying to they're trying to lose weight. They might do it of a way to, to clear their mind. Um, there's a lot of correlation between fasting and religious beliefs. You know, it's a it's a way to cleanse. It's a way to purge the body of things. Right. Um, and you know, they're right. It, it is a, it is a way of doing that. The body will recycle when you give it a chance to. So, I I. When I, when I did the fast, I just picked three days. I ended up doing 60 hours, not 72. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I had woken up and I started my period. I was like, I don't want to be fasting on my period. <laughs> yeah, so well, that was funny because I didn't look at the calendar. And I, when I was doing some research the night before, they're like, you should not fast the week before your period. I was like, okay, I just did that. <laughs> you did the hard thing first. There you go, Megan. So I'm curious as to, and in the same, the same thing that I was watching, they were talking about what happens at certain hours of fasting. Mm-hmm. So I think, and I want to talk about this to your perspective, but like the one thing that I read was like 24 hours was like a digestive reset. 36 hours was like for, to help you metabolize fat. I can't remember what the other two were. And then I think up to like 72 hours was like a complete immune system reset or like immune cell reset. I don't know how much you know about that or what you kind of think is like a idealistic time frame too fast for certain benefits. Well, again, it probably depends on what, yeah. you know, what benefits you're looking for. So let me ask you what, why did you fast? Why did you want to do it? What were you, what were you looking for? Um, two things. One, I had kind of felt myself slipping back into old habits. And two, I've been feeling like a change in kind of like a transformative way with myself. And so I wanted to use it in a way to be a little bit more spiritually connected as I go forward and kind of gain some more clarity and gaining clarity by not putting food in my system. And I would say that I got, got that from that. Um, the clarity that I was looking for and my big awareness was that my thoughts and my thinking and my fears have not been mine, which I think was a huge epiphany for me to move through. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was mostly just for the clarity aspect. And I just randomly picked three days. I didn't okay. know any of the. Yeah. How would, you know, how would you know? I mean, you could look it up and get different people's opinions. Right. right. So when, let me, you know, if you look back at this, this three day period that you did, when did you start to notice 
the change that you were looking for? Was it after 12 hours? Was it after 24? Was it on the second day? Was it at the very end of it? Or was it after it was finished? That's a great question. That change happened. I would say I stopped. I had my last meal probably seven o'clock the night before and probably around three o'clock was when I had my big awareness. The next day. Yeah. Okay. So you had, so by that time you had missed, do you typically eat breakfast? Yeah. Okay. So you had missed two meals by that time. Yeah. So yeah, that's at that point, the body's going, what's happening here. This is not, you know, one meal. Okay. That's kind of normal, no big deal, but you miss two meals and you're getting closer to that third one. And now your brain's going, Hey, 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 what are you doing? What's going on here? It's time to eat. And so chemical changes are going to start happening at that point. And you're right. Your digestion has started to clear out. So by that time, your stomach's completely empty. You know, most of the upper part of your of your, of your first intestine, your small intestine is getting cleared out as well. Um, you'll still have, you know, unless you have a very fast, uh, motility, you'll still have, you know, food in the, in the lower part of the small intestine in the colon, maybe even in the first part too. Um, but your body is getting a sense of clearing out. Um, and that's, that's where you started to feel that. Now, did that then continue on the entire time? Not as strong. I mean, I, I had some, I had another, like my perception of time changed in a way of it slowed down for the second time. And my thought process was, um, it was like noon on the second day. I'm like, okay, well I'm going to be awake for nine more hours. And then I only have one more day to get through. Like it didn't seem like that far, but then also from like a personal perspective, it's like, Oh, like I can get a lot done in nine hours, you know? So that was yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. And, it, and I think a lot of people are so busy and let's say like even cleansing from like our external stimuli mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. are getting fed so much that we think that there's like a rush, you know, these done. But when we take all those away, it's like, yeah. Oh, imagine <laughs> if you would have, if you would have stacked a media cleanse on top of a food fast. I tried to, for the most part, I got on Instagram a couple times just to like post a work thing. But like, for the most part, I did. I, I didn't watch TV. I, I'm lying. Yes, I did. I did watch TV. Okay. I did. So well, never mind. Get, fasting can get boring. Yeah. It's like the food is, food is really, it's distracting. It takes up a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it is distracting to the mind. And I think that's one of the things that drives us to overeat is it's, it's calming. It, it kind of calms our, our nervous system down and rightfully so, because that's one of the main things that, you know, humans in pre-modern times would be stressed about. Right. It's finding food. Right. You know, now we have 8 million things to be stressed about and food typically is not, you know, finding food is typically not one of them. Yeah. So you take that out of the equation and your mind goes, oh, that, that's a big burden off my back. There's a whole lot of time to, to, to do things now. Yeah. So going back to your question of, you know, when, at what points in the fast are things happening? You kind of hit it, you know, you hit it right is the first thing you're starting to cleanse out is your digestive system. Yeah. And you're getting things cleansed out there. Um, And everybody's going to get 
um, different mental gains out of this at different times. So I think that's subjective to the person doing it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, from a, a, a biological standpoint, your digestion is going to clear out anywhere from 24 to 48 hours, depending on someone's motility, uh, maybe 72. Some people, their motility is slow and they don't clear things out for like a whole three days. Um, but you'll, you'll start to feel, you know, like the gurgles, you know, that growling and stuff in the belly and then the juices, you know, flowing in the lower intestine, that's going to happen more along, you know, 24 hours in 36 hours in, you know, 48 hours, you're going to continue to feel that. And that's, that's all of the, um, there's, there's these, these molecules that are inside of your digestive tract. Their job is to clean up debris in the digestive tract. But they typically don't work very hard when there's food in there because, you know, it's like you don't clean a dirty house when it's full of kids and dogs and animals and stuff. You wait, you get everything out of the house and then you clean it. All right. And that's kind of what is happening is now that that digestive tract is cleared out. Now things can start to get recycled and cleaned up. And that's the first 28 to like 48 hours. Um, you're going to start then some sometime between 24 and 48 hours your liver is going to start changing uh, it's the way it's metabolizing things. So, you know, as, as a physiology, you know, uh, a physiology, uh, you know, call it a, an exercise expert, like you are, you know, about, you know, the whole uh, metabolism around glycogen and sugars and stuff and the storage of glycogen in the cell and then within the liver. Well, by about 48 hours, most of that glycogen, most of that stored glucose, that stored sugar has pretty much been gone through. You know, the body's used it up at that point and now it has to get it somewhere else because your brain continues to need glucose even if you're not eating. And the liver has is in charge of producing that glucose and sending it into the blood supply so the brain can get it. And that's when you'll start to see people's ketone bodies increase is around 24 to 48 hours. So can we talk about what ketones ketones are quickly? So people listening, they don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, So many, you know, a hot topic right now is the keto diet. Right. Um, And what that, what that term came from is, um, is the body being in a state of ketosis, uh, which is where the liver is taking free fatty acids, uh, either from the food that you're eating or from stored fats in the fat storage. And it's converting it chemically into what's called a ketone body. Now, why would the liver do that? Well, the, the muscle tissues like the heart and, you know, the organs and your, your, your muscles, your biceps and, uh, and stuff like that, they can, you can burn free fatty acids in the cell of your muscle tissues for energy because there's two sources of fat in the body. One is sugar and one is fat. I'm sorry, two sources of, of energy, fat and, um, and sugar, but the brain, it can't burn free fatty acids for energy. And our brain is an energy hog. It, it could take anywhere from like 25 to 30% of all your caloric needs goes to your brain. So if you're not eating sugar and your body has gone through all of its stores, then it has to go to its storage container, which is your fat. But the liver has to convert that fat into what's called a ketone body because the brain can burn a ketone in replacement of sugar. 
So when we talk about being in ketosis, we're talking about the liver converting fat into ketones so that the cells can use it in replacement of the sugar that's not coming in from the diet. Got it. Um, and we all, and we're all doing this, that, you know, all the time. You don't have to be in, keto- in ketosis to burn fat. You don't have to be in ketosis for your liver to, to make ketones. It's always happening, but the ratio is favoring glucose over fat. And so typically, you know, our, our metabolism is burning glucose primarily on any given day when we're eating, you know, any type of significant carbohydrate in the diet. Is is glucose easier for the body to make for the brain to use, or is it easier to extract? Yeah, it's a, it's a quick, it's a quick form of energy. It's a, it's a fast energy. The brain likes it because it's real fast. It's quick. It can, it's like a firecracker versus maybe fat. You could look at as like a candle. You know, it's giving you a, a steady, long, slow burn of energy where, you know, you light a match and it's this burst of energy and fire, but then it kind of goes out real fast. And so you're getting, you're getting more energy over a longer period with fat, but it's not burning at a, at a higher rate, at, a high, at the highest rate. So the brain likes it because it's quick. Right. And, it, and it doesn't take as much energy to, to use sugar to make ATP, which is the body's form of currency, um, as it does fat. Fat takes a little more energy to do it. You have to spend a little more energy to burn fat than to burn sugar. So that makes me think, I'm actually curious of what you think about this too. So I've learned that when you are fasting, you shouldn't be doing high intensity exercises. Like I tried to go on a run and that was like turned into a walk. And (laughs) (laughs) so, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense on some level because your body's trying to like you, I guess, put the energy where it's most needed in the energy. It's like, no, my brain needs energy more than your muscles need it. So I'm not going to let your muscles work as easy. Do you get what I'm asking here? Yeah, I think, I think you're, I think you're right. Uh, it, uh, it's coming from, in my, in my, the way that I look at it, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the reduced capacity to do, you know, heavy training when fasting is due to both the neurological and the, um, and the mechanical side of things. So neurologically, yes, the brain senses that resources are scarce when it comes to glucose. Um, so maybe we should conserve the glucose for us and not fire the muscles, you know, as efficiently. So it could be coming from that, but then, um, it's also coming from the body's need to, use sugar as a substrate to make energy when aerobic capacity has been exceeded. So when you're, when you're, when you're at a a low level of training, um, like you're familiar with the different zones, like zone one, zone two, zone three, when you're in like a zone two level of training, your body is still able to keep up with the demand for energy through, um, through aerobic metabolism, meaning the burning of fat. Um, can we just back up one second? Because I don't use zones. So tell me what you mean more about okay. zones. <laughs> uh, so zones, is, uh, the term there's, I mean, some people look at it like there's 
six zones or five zones of aerobic of aerobic capacity. And what you're looking at is um, each at each zone, then the body is using a particular um, you can even call it like a mechanism or a strategy yeah. to create energy. Okay. Okay. The first two zones are like a low level zone of, uh, of metabolism. It's where um, the body is primarily burning fat for energy. When you're like walking, right. you're at a slow jog, okay. you're on a bike and your heart rate is not extremely high and you're not producing lactate at that point uh, of any significance. When you go into like a high intensity training, uh, let's say you're doing burst training, you're doing hit or you're, you're climbing, you're running up a hill or you're biking up a hill, then now what you're doing is you're putting a greater demand on the muscle and then the muscle is going to need more energy faster. And you're exceeding your body's capacity to create that energy solely on fat. And it switches over into a different form of metabolism that is now burning sugar. And it's not using, it's not utilizing um, the fat as much anymore. It starts producing lactate as that, you know, through that, that metabolic process. Uh, and so you have to have the sugar there to be able to do that. So if you're, if you're fasting and it's 24 to 48 hours in, and you've gone through all of those sugar stores already, now you're asking your body to, to produce energy without having the substrate, without having the gas, you know, so you almost, so like the term, I ran out of gas. Yeah. That's kind of what's happening is you're running out of gas because you're exceeding your body's capacity with the substrate that you have available, which is diminished because you're not eating. So you're not, you don't have the sugar coming in. Right. Our body doesn't have a, a, a big storage container for sugar, for glucose. It can store, every cell can store glucose in it. The brain can't, but all your, all your muscle cells, so your right. organs and everything else can store. And then your liver can store glycogen, which is packaged up sugar but it doesn't have a huge capacity for it. So after about 24 hours of not eating, depending on how much you're moving around and using your muscles, those are going to be depleted, but that's fine. That's okay. Your body has a really neat way of storing energy to use it on demand. And that's called your fat cells. And your fat cells aren't just like pure fat. They're actually a triglyceride. You've heard a term triglyceride. Yeah. Okay, so what that refers to is it it looks like there's a this this finger here is a is a glycerol backbone and it has three tails of fatty acids bound to that glycerol backbone. That's mm -hmm. why they call it one, two, three triglyceride. That's the storage form of fat that your liver makes and pushes into your fat cells. Well, once that fat cell is ready to be released, the liver breaks that glycerol backbone off of it and frees up the fatty acids. So the fatty acids now can be into the bloodstream and used as energy by the cells, or they can be going, they can go into the liver and be converted to ketones, but you still have that glycerol. Now glycerol is easily converted back to sugar. So it's the body's way of storing excess sugar. So it can be used on demand when it needs to through that process. So that's how your brain still gets a fair amount of glucose through a fast. So 
when I, when I've done my fast in the past, um, I'll, I'll check my blood sugar like constantly. And, you know, your blood sugar is going to go down. I mean, it's going to drop dramatically, but then it'll get to a point. It'll stay there. So like, I think when I was, um, the last time I did a significant fast and I checked my blood sugar, my blood sugar got down to around, uh, somewhere between uh, 50 and 60. It got as low as into the forties one time. And I started Mm -hmm. feeling a little lightheaded. That's when Mm -hmm. it's like, Hey, warning sign. But if you're in the fifties and maybe low sixties, that's like a baseline, you know, uh, uh, amount of blood sugar that my liver is able to sustain almost indefinitely as long as I have fat on my body still, because it's taking that fat and it's converting that glycerol back to sugar. Now, I know that uh, was a lot. I mean, <laughs> maybe we could try to unpack some of that stuff with some of your questions to try to make it simpler. Yeah. So my first question is, so does going back to going back to the triglyceride mm-hmm. when it breaks and you use the the three fatty fatty heads right to the free, to, the free fatty acids yeah the free fatty acids so what happens to the glyceride the glycerol goes back into the liver and gets converted back to glycogen back to glucose so then does um is that how fat cells disappear? That's how fat cells shrink. Shrink. So I've heard that too, that fat cells don't go away. They just shrink. Correct. There's only so, one way for a fat cell to go away and that's liposuction. Okay. So then my question then becomes, do we all just have the same amount of fat cells in our body? Do we, can we grow more fat cells or are they just there and they get bigger? The way I understand it, um, you, you will, uh, your fat cells will grow in numbers through adolescence, mm-hmm. but at some point that number h- hits a, a ceiling and you don't grow more fat cells. You've, you've created all these little storage containers and now it's just a matter of them getting bigger and smaller, bigger and smaller. So when we think about, I want to lose weight, what we're really saying is I want to lose fat. Right. I want to shrink my fat cells. Right. You know, I want you know, when, and everybody has different fat cells in different quantities in different parts of their body. You know, for example, men tend to have more fat cells around their trunk. Women tend to have more fat cells below their waist. And so that's um, why we're shaped differently. Right. You know how we get rid of the fat, right? How we get rid of the fat? How it leaves our body. Oh, through, through respiration. Yeah, which yeah. I think is so cool. Yeah, that's super <laughs> cool. I mean, that that's it's like that's the exhaust the exhaust pipe of our. Uh, well, think about okay, we all have we all understand the car with the right. gasoline, right? Well, right. You put this liquid gas in your tank, you know, ten to twenty gallons of a liquid gas that weighs a lot, but it doesn't come out as a liquid. It comes out as a gas through the tailpipe. The same thing is happening with us. It goes in as food, and whatever we don't absorb comes out in the toilet, but everything else comes out as a gas. Right. Um, so in your opinion, I will, I have two questions here. They kind of go together. One, why is it important to incorporate fasting? Cause I know, I feel like you said you do it like, well, you were just telling me before we got on here that you kind of do it a, a, 
like a sort of fast on Monday and Tuesday where you yeah, don't I, re- eat- I restrict I I decrease my food intake okay on Mondays and Tuesdays and, and other parts of the day through various um, ways but I typically like once a quarter will do like what you did a three-day um, fast yeah well it's more like a like I'll, I'll usually you know eat dinner on Sunday mm-hmm. and then I want to eat again until like breakfast on Wednesday yeah. Okay. And that, and that, that breakfast is going to be like, really, it's going to be probably all liquid. It's not going to be any solid food. And then the first solid food I'll eat will be like on Wednesday uh, lunch. Um, and sometimes I'll do a more extended fast than that. And sometimes I'll just do a one day, like I just won't eat for a single day of the week kind of thing. Do you do that frequently? Not eat one day of the week? Uh, not frequently. Uh, just sometimes when I just feel like it, yeah. You know, when it just feels like, oh, okay, you've been going too hard, man. It's time, it's time to pay the piper. You know, it, it's everything comes with a consequence. So say somebody does a 24 hour fast or whatever long fast. Um, and all they can think about is food. They just can't wait until they're not fasting and they can have all the food yeah. they want. Is it a bad thing to approach it of like, well, I guess, how do you, how do you kind of take a step back to then reapproach it in a methodical way? Because I think for, well, I was excited to eat food. I'm not even going to lie. Okay. Well, first meal tastes really good. Um, but like how, one, how do we, are how should we, and is it important to ease back into it with like a liquid? And some of the um, research I was doing was like, okay, well, when you eat, like start with just having bone broth. Don't just like go right into, you know, eating a full out meal. So I guess we'll start there. Like what's the importance of doing that? And is it important to do that? Yeah, I think, I think it's important to, um, to have a strategy for how you break your fast. Yeah. And that strategy is going to be based on how long the fast is. If you're just not eating for a 24 hour period, um, you don't have to spend like a day, you know, starting with, okay, let's eat liquid for the breakfast and maybe something a little bit more consistent at lunch. And I mean, if you're just going to do, I'm not going to eat on Tuesday, come Wednesday, I don't see, you know, that much of harm and just kind of going back to your normal routine on, on the next day. But once you get into like two, three, four, or like an extended seven to 10 day fast, then yeah, you want to be mindful of, of how you bring it back in. Again, your, your digestive system has had a complete rest now. Right. It's like, it's, it doesn't have, um, you know, there's your stomach acid is going to be really low, you know, because it hasn't been producing a lot of stomach acid. Uh, the pancreatic, pancreatic enzymes have taken a break for a while. So you want to kind of introduce things slowly. Um, and then also, I, once you get past that, that point to where now your, your liver is producing more ketones and you're in what's called nutritional ketosis, you become uh, insulin resistant at that point, meaning that you're almost in a diabetic state. So if you were to break a fast, let's say with a real heavy carbohydrate meal, then it's going to, your insulin is going to skyrocket because your cells aren't going to be very sensitive to insulin right away. And it's going to store, and that's going to to cause you to store a lot of fat from all those carbohydrates. 
And then that's going to eventually crash your blood sugar because your your pancreas is going to kind of overshoot that and put too much insulin in your blood. And one of insulin's job is to take sugar from the blood and push it into the cells. So if you have too much insulin, it's going to push too much sugar into the cell and then you're going to crash. And I think a lot of people are doing that on a day-to-day basis. Their meals are just too simple, carbohydrate heavy. And they're on this kind of roller coaster of insulin, like up and down, up and down, which relates to a roller coaster of blood sugar. And then you get in these swings of high energy, low energy, high mood, low mood, you know, and then that's when all of, you know, that's when you start running to the cabinet for whatever's the closest snack you can grab. Um, So, yeah, I would say um, a liquid of some type. Bone broth is great. Um, It's nourishing. It has uh, collagen in it. It has glycine in it. Um, A lot of these nourishing um, proteins that can help to kind of soothe your gut and kind of kind of get it ready for digestion and and moving things along. Um, It has some flavor and you're going to really enjoy that after not eating for a while, because that's one thing that happens when you fast is all of your senses, they they increase. So they become very powerful. And that's a result of not eating for a while. So like, you know, picture if you were a human a thousand years ago and you're in the wild or you're somewhere where there isn't food and you haven't eaten for two or three days, it would be an advantage to you if you could see further, if you could hear better, if you could smell things more and then your taste would be heightened. So it, you get like this kind of euphoria around your senses, the longer you go into a fast, because your body is trying to make it easier for you to find food. So basically the harm of not eating and then going into a normal meal is the blood sugar and the sensitivity with the insulin. Yeah, that, that's one of them. And you're just, you're overloading your system. Your system right. is not prepared for it. You know, it's just, your stomach has not had food in it for a while, so it's going to shrink down because um, it's not it's not expanded out. Um, and again, your your pancreas, which is right past your stomach, uh, has not had to produce a lot of enzymes over the last however long your fasting period was. Um, and if you don't have enough digestive enzymes, you're not breaking your food down properly. And then food is going to bypass your small intestine and go into your large intestine undigested. So you get undigested proteins in there, you get undigested carbohydrates, and then that sends off a cascade of feeding some of the more advantageous bacteria down there that you haven't fed for a while. So that's the other side of the equation um, is we have a whole microbiome, you know, bacteria that's living in our digestive system that hasn't eaten for days either because they eat what we eat. So their makeup is all different. And so when we refeed ourselves, we refeed them. So we don't necessarily want to refeed, you know, um, the bacteria down there with a lot of simple carbohydrates or simple sugars or huge amounts of protein that are then going to go undigested. And then they're going to eat on that. What's the, I guess, what's the, what's the harm? The harm is as it relates to your bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So like, what's, what's the harm if I go and like, I break my fast and eat six Mm -hmm. cookies. You know what I mean? Okay. 
Yeah. Um, Besides the skipping of this stuff, like what, what in the, I guess we talked about the insulin sensitivity and storing mm-hmm. fat, but like what else, is there something else that could happen? Um, yeah, you're, it's, it's relates to your bacteria okay. in your digestive tract. Yeah. You're going to now, so bacteria compete there. It's like a competition, just like we compete for our jobs or, or anything like that. They compete for resources. Their resources are what comes in on our diet. And, you know, there's, you could think of it as kind of like two sides. There's like good bacteria, bad bacteria. They all have their place in your digestive tract. Um, You, you feel the most healthy when they are in a certain ratio of each other. The only way that they proliferate and, and actually gain in numbers is when we feed them their individual diets that they like. So for example, the, um, call it the, for lack of a better word, bad bacteria. I don't like to use that word because they have their place as well. They right. actually do are beneficial in some sense. Right. But if we eat six cookies off of our fast, we're putting a huge amount of sugar into our digestive system and we're starving all the good bacteria that they would rather have fiber or they would rather have some polyphenols from like, you know, green vegetables, or they would rather have some, some healthy fats, but we're feeding the bad guys. We're making them stronger before the other guys have a chance to kind of build their numbers up. Cause they're all going to build their numbers up through that feeding process. So now we're creating what's called dysbiosis in the gut. We're, we're out of balance of those healthy ratios. And that's, that's just any given time during your diet. That's one of the reasons why it's not so healthy to eat, you know, cookies and simple sugars and simple carbohydrates all the time because of your feeding these bacteria that then proliferate. They make it harder for the good bacteria to compete down there. And our immune system is directly tied to the makeup of our bacteria, let alone our, the, the hormones that we, that we feel. Our hunger is tied to the ratio of bacteria uh, in our gut. Um, our mood is tied to that. And either the, even the health of our digestive, the lining of our digestive system is tied to the ratio of bacteria. So you just spent a lot of sacrifice for, let's call it your 60, 60 hour fast. You sacrificed a lot for that. That was not easy. It was probably painful most of the time, or at least if not distracting. Right. To then go and now feed the guys that you actually just kept in check over those last 60 hours is just throwing all of your efforts out the window. And now you're going to have to spend time trying to fix what you just broke. So I broke my fast with, um, I'm curious what you think about this. I broke my fast with, I make like a pancake. Uh I put, um, two eggs with like maybe a quarter cup of oats. Okay. And then berries, uh-huh. cinnamon, and then I fried it like a pancake. Well, okay. You like put it in like a blender or did you just whip it up? Kind of I thing? just whipped it up. Blender is oh, okay. a good idea though. <laughs> <laughs> the, bl- the blender um, is almost like a high powered uh, chewing device. Yeah. But so breaks things up, makes it a little easier yeah. to do. So I mean, how did you feel? How did, how did you, how did your digestion feel through, you know, with that? 
felt fine. I like I I almost felt back to normal immediately. Mm-hmm. I would say that I was like maybe a little bit more tired, but I think that was just kind of like coming off of the fast, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But like my stomach didn't hurt or anything like that from it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It probably wasn't, you know, it probably did okay with you. Eggs are yeah. a source of protein that digest a little easier than let's say beef. Right. Right. Like that. Um, you know, just two eggs. So you're only looking at about 14 grams of protein there. Right. So it's not, it's not huge amounts of stomach acid that are needed for that. Right. But it did require your stomach to suck in a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. to create that stomach acid. And so that's where a lot of that tiredness can come from. Got it. And that's one of the reasons why people, uh, some people feel this extra energy when they're not, when they're not eating. It's because your, your digestive system is not taking any resources. Like everything is, everything is about resources in the body. Right. It's, it's about, it's all about triage of resources. And when one thing that typically takes a lot of resources is now off, you know, uh, off of the map and it's not requiring them any longer. Well, the body has all those resources to do what it wants with. Yeah. You can think more clearly that, you know, if you eat a huge meal, you're not necessarily going to be that, you know, have a whole lot of mental clarity after like Thanksgiving. Right. Right. Because all of your blood is going to your stomach and your digestive system. And that means it's not, all going to be up in your, in your brain feeding that. It makes a lot of sense. So I don't think that, I don't think that was bad in any sense. Right. Um, you might have felt a little easier, easier energy climb. If you would have started off with some like broth first. Yeah. And then maybe had that meal for like your lunch or maybe a little more around like 10 or 11 o'clock or something like that. Um, and then also if you would have put it in a blender and like a high speed blender and blended it up and chopped up a lot of that, uh, those oats, you know, and some of the berries and stuff. And, yeah. um, it actually can even decouple some of the proteins, um, in the eggs and make it a little easier to digest. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think back if there was something that I didn't cover in that, um, we talked about, um, so yeah, heavier proteins take a, are a lot, are, are harder to digest. Right. Um, and so that's something to consider when you're coming off of a fast. So you might want to do maybe like something like a light salad or cook steamed vegetables with, um, you know, maybe some eggs or some collagen powder, some type of a protein uh, powder, maybe a shake or something like that. I, protein powders, like the one that I have has like, I don't know what you think about this either, but it's got it's organic, it's plant-based and it's got, um, there's like probiotics in there. Is that like, is, does that mean anything or is that just part of their, you mean, do, you know, is there value in the probiotics? Is that what you're yeah. asking? Yeah. Hard to tell. Yeah. It's really hard to tell like what probiotic strains are using, right. Whether you need those particular strains or not, you know, uh, again, the ratio matters. So a lot of probiotics are heavy in lactobacillus, but not everybody needs lactobacillus. Some people are lacto-dominant and they're deficient in bifido. And so they, that would actually make them feel worse. So it's, it really is 
individually unique to everybody yeah. as far as what what probiotics they need and what they don't. And that's not even asking the question of are whatever probiotics in that product even making it down to your colon? Right. Are they, are they surviving digestion? So it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. You know, um, the plant-based stuff, um, is, it's, it's all going to be, you know, grain derived right. that's where that's where the protein is and the plant is in the, the seed of the plant um so some of that stuff is easily digested and some of it isn't some of it can be harder to digest for some people some people are sensitive to grains so again it's 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 really individually based yeah that makes me think i i i maybe and i probably wasn't using a good one but I stopped using whey protein because it would make my face break out. So I, that's why I switched to plant stuff, but makes me think to back to when I was using whey protein. Actually, no, I was using good stuff. I remember because it was, it was when I was living in California, but my face would break out from the whey. Yeah. You were probably sensitive to the, yeah. to the dairy protein, yeah, to the, to the, to the liquid protein of that, of that dairy. And that was how it represented in your body was, you know, through, through breakouts in your skin. Um, whey has typically been, uh, the most heavily used source of protein in um, mm-hmm. the fitness community. Um, it is, it, it, in a non-sensitive person, it can be highly absorbable, but it also can cause a lot of issues in a lot of people digestion wise. Mm-hmm. Um, it can cause inflammation, particularly if somebody's sensitive to dairy uh, proteins, Um, It can turn on um, immune functions, which can then result in uh, turning on autoimmune issues with people that they may be experiencing, like making like making them worse as a as an antagonist for that. Um, So there's I typically don't don't promote uh, the use of whey products just because there's lots of variables there. Um, I think collagen uh, protein, collagen powder. It's a pre-digested form. So it's taking the peptides and it's enzymatically breaking them down into a polypeptide form. So it's a pre it's pre-digesting them so that then they're, they don't have to have as heavy of digestion before they can be absorbed. Um, and I don't find many people to be sensitive to that. Like it's pretty hypoallergenic. Right. And, and it has a lot of those, um, those collagen and glycine, um, uh, peptides in them, amino acids, which are, which is very soothing to the gut, the line, the lining of the intestinal tract. Is what's the benefit besides that of using collagen or intaking collagen? Sure. Um, I like it, uh, functionally because it blends in things really well, really yeah. easily. Yeah. So like it'll, it'll blend up in cold water. You can just mix up in cold water. It has a relatively flat flavor profile, so there's not much flavor that it adds to it. It's got a little bit of a texture to it, um, and so it you can put it in things very easily. Um, it can also hold up pretty well to blending, whereas if you were to put like a, a, a good quality whey, like let's say a grass-fed, cold-processed, cold-filtered whey product into like a Vitamix and turn that thing on blast, you can start de- uh, denaturing the proteins, like uncoupling the proteins and creating new proteins in there from doing that. It's not, it's not very stable. Collagen is a little bit more stable in that sense. Um, 
the hypoallergenic side, like I said, and um, it's collagen is the one thing that's void out of a lot of like the standard American diet. If you think about it, because collagen comes from connective tissues Mm -hmm. and what's promoted as like healthy in, in our diet, it's chicken breast. Right. A chicken breast doesn't have a lot of connective tissue in it. It doesn't have a lot of, of the, the tendons and ligaments and joints and skin that collagen comes from. So a lot of people are void in the particular amino acids that are heavier in the collagen, um, but they're getting a lot more of like the arginine amino acids that are heavier in like the, the, um, the muscle of the, of the animal. Um. So I like making bone broth. I'll mm-hmm. I'll bake an entire chicken and then I'll put in all the bones and the skin and everything and boil it for in a crock pot on low for maybe 36 hours. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's too long? I tend not to go over 24 with chicken. Okay, good to so know. So fish, I would do about maybe six to eight hours with chicken. You can go longer. To me, it just, it starts to break down too much of the, uh, the minerals out of the bones and it makes it kind of funky. Interesting. Um, so I don't, I don't, I think you're getting most of the benefit after about 24 hours on a very low temp. So like for me, like I've got chicken broth on the stove right now. It's been going since last night on the smallest burner on my stove, a gas stove, smallest burner on the lowest setting, you know, with lid on. And then I'll take it off tonight. Um, for uh, for beef, I'll typically go forty eight hours. How do you make a, beef broth? Out of beef bones. Okay. So do you like go to a butcher and like get the bones with it? Um, no. Um, like I I like beef ribs. Okay. So you know, there's you'll get bones there. Um, we'll get like a bone in chuck chuck roast, and you'll have a bone with that. Um, and yeah, go to your butcher. They're tip, more likely they're throwing them away. Right. They're throwing away um, the bones, and you can get um, you can get knuckles, you can get uh, knees, things that are where the joint is, because again, that's where all the connective tissue right. is. There's synovial fluid inside the joint. I mean, all that stuff is really healthy. So yeah, you can get bones for cheap at your grocery store. And just you just go ask the butcher, and some stores will actually sell them like pre-packaged up, kind of frozen. Yeah, it's, yeah, because bone broth can be expensive when you buy it at the store. Oh right, well, and I feel like it's so I I like making it because then I'm connected to what I'm eating also, and that's why mm-hmm. I like buying the whole bird because I'm not just using two pieces of four different birds. Like I'm, yep. bu- ooh, I'm buying this whole thing, and then yeah. I'm utilizing all of it. And it makes me like appreciate what I'm eating more rather than just looking at as my food as food, because my food literally is an animal that yeah. has died for me, you know, yeah. gave his life up for you. And we need yeah. to honor that for sure. Yeah. 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 We need to honor that um, and use everything we possibly can out of that animal. Um, and the rest gets put back, you know, to the earth. Yeah. Oh, and I think that's like a, a, not to get too off subject here, but that's like a big thing that our society's done is kind of devalued the whole thing because you don't see an animal when you look at a store. And if you do, you're like, ew, gross. But it's like, no, you're just seeing that same thing, but in a tiny, tinier package. 
Yeah, we and, sterilize the whole process. I mean, even right. even for you know somebody who follows a plant based diet, that yeah. whole thing is sterilized too. Yeah, we don't know anything. We're, there's no connection to the farm where it came from, or the or the farm worker who actually picked it or or helped help it grow. You know, or the 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 distributor who packaged it and boxed it and put it in the truck and drove it there, or or even the 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 produce uh, clerk, you know, working the wet rack at the store. Right. You know, most people don't know that person's name. So yeah, we've sterilized our whole food process, and that has made it easier for us to overeat, particularly the wrong foods. Right. Because we don't have a connection to it anymore. And I think fasting does just that is it can it reconnects us to our food it shows us two things how little we actually need to survive but then how much we really need to appreciate what we put in our body and it's 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 such a mental breakthrough that you only can get through fasting i found and that's that's I think one of the biggest benefits that I've found of that is, is just um, the mental strengthening of the mind of the relationship with food around fasting Yeah, you know, and, and honoring, you know, just everything that has went into us having um, this amazing ability to walk into a, a grocery store that has 60,000 items in it at our fingertips and just have appreciation and gratitude for that. Yeah. There's so much that went into that. I was, I worked in the food business for a food manufacturer for like 12 years and just knowing all the amount of energy and care and devotion and sweat and love that goes into the production of our food here, at least in the United States, that is not understood, let alone appreciated. One of the, one of the things that I learned from the fast is that I actually enjoy cooking (laughs) and, and, and tying into what you're saying of, I was not appreciating the process of preparing my food. It was just kind of like another chore, but when you don't have it, you realize how vital it is to like your culture and your day. And I mean, I cook for myself, but like, think about, um, I, food to me is such a form of love. <laughs> like I would so much rather, and I've said this to people, like I would so much rather you come over to my house and I cook you a really nice meal than me buy you a gift. You're just going to use because it's like, you're putting love into it. Like you're preparing it. And then you get to have that interaction with it between people. And I think, that with the, I mean, the access to food that we have and packaged stuff is a blessing for when we are busy, but I think it's almost detrimental to our mindfulness in the way that we could be connecting more as humans with food and doing it the proper way. Yeah. And connecting with each other. I mean, yeah. that's, that's typically how humans got together. That's how we congregated. That's, you know, through breaking bread Yeah, the process of of growing it and, you know, processing it and storing it and cooking it and eating it. You know, it was, it was always done together and fasting in a, in a lot of other cultures is done together as well. And that's in many cultures, like that's a, that's a community thing that they, they get together and they fast together. Yeah. 
you know, and they support one another through that. Cause it, it, it is, it is hard. It's, it's, it's a difficult process and I encourage everybody to try it on some level. Um, I mean, if anybody's like concerned of, Oh, you know, if I don't eat for a day, is there anything I should be concerned about with my health? Um, and you know, for some people, yeah. I mean, if, if you're concerned about it, just ask your doctor. Right. You know, I mean, I, if anybody's concerned about doing something as it relates to their health, um, uh, with their food, then, you know, go ahead and ask your doctor, Hey, would it be okay if I didn't eat for a day and see what the doctor says about it? I mean, you know, uh, if somebody is like a, you know, a little bad diabetic maybe, or something like that, sure. That's to be just something to consider. Um, if there's an, if there's an issue with some type of, uh, the supply of glucose, you know, in their body, their metabolism, there's a problem with that. Yeah. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's a human mechanism that humans dealt with that actually allowed us to get to where we are now. I mean, you know, where did we do before there was grocery stores? What did we do before there was, you know, um, modern day farming, right? Our brains aren't that evolved. Our bodies aren't that evolved that we have have the the mechanisms to, to survive. And it's, it's called our fat stores. It's called, it's, it's our liver. It's that process of doing that. I mean, if, if we only, if, if you only had Megan five pounds of excess fat on your body, and, and if you only had five pounds of excess fat in your body, you would look like you're going to die in the next 10 minutes, right? You would be so skinny, but you would still have that extra, that five pounds of fat could keep your body running for nine days. Wow. So one pound stores about 3000 calories of energy. I mean, that's, that's a day and a half, that's a day and a half, two days. Of energy. That's a really good perspective to put it in that way. Cause I don't think it, I, 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 I've never thought about it like that, but you know, it's kind of like, okay, like a pound of fat is 3,500 calories, but I guess I've actually never took into consideration that like, if we're doing nothing, like I could be expending yeah. 2000 calories. Yeah. Yeah. And your body will slow down. Things slow down in a fast. I mean, right. Maybe we should talk about that for a second is what are the things that suck about fasting? Yeah. Because there's well, a lot of things that suck about fasting. Yeah. And that was one of my questions too, of like, like kind of like, how would you guide somebody through like the mental toughness of okay. the, um, yeah. <laughs> we could literally talk for three hours. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, preparing yourself mentally is good. Looking at your calendar. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to pick a time when you're not going to be asked to do anything extremely physical or extremely mental. Um, you know, if, for women, you're not going to be on your cycle or leading up to it kind of thing. Um, and also what's happening culturally, right? You know, is, is there a dinner date coming? Is there a party coming up? No, don't make it harder than it needs to be. Um, because it's, you're going to be refraining from the one thing that most people are going to expect you to do at certain times in the day. Um, that made me think of going into fasting of having like an intent around it too, because I think that some people might take it in the negative of like, Oh, I ate too much yesterday. I'm not going to eat for 24 hours or 48 hours, but like having a proper mindful intent to fasting, not to use it as a punishment. Cause then you're going to wreck your metabolism doing that as well. Yeah. And, and you're going to have a negative outlook on fasting. You're going to look right. at it like, like you said, a punishment. 
Um, so yeah, uh, do that. And then also be mindful of the couple days and primarily the day before and the night before your fast. Cause I've done this before myself. You're, you're preparing yourself mentally for the fast. You're getting ready to go. You know, you're going to deprive yourself. Um, and I think I did this more, um, on the, uh, the second and third and fourth fast than on the first one. Cause the first one I didn't really know what to expect is you'll, you could, you might have a tendency to start eating more because you know, you're not going to eat. You're like, Oh, I better get it in, you know, and, and you, you get a little anxious and a little nervous about that. So try to be mindful of that uh, because it's going to make it, it's just going to make it harder. Cause what you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to load your body up primarily probably with a bunch of carbohydrates, right? which is going to just jack up your blood sugar and your insulin. And then you're going into your fast all wonky. And then See probably going to be more hungry from that too. Yeah. It's just, it's going to make the first couple of days harder. Right. You know? Um, and then once you get in it, you know, expect to be hungry. It's and, and get comfortable with the, the that feeling like that's a, that is one of the, the um call it the most um ancient forms of human emotion is hunger probably thirst they probably go hand in hand get comfortable with it many of us spend a lot of our days running away from that like you ask somebody hey are you hungry and they go oh i could eat you know kind of thing and so our our clock says well, as soon as that first sign of hunger comes on, that means it's time to eat. And you're constantly kind of running away from that emotion because that's all it is, is, is an emotion. It's a feeling. And the fasting process kind of forces you to get real close with that and understand what that really means. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to come in a wave. It's going to come up. It's going to get strong. And it's going to flatten out. It's going to go down. And then it'll come up again and go strong and flatten up. And it's going to go on. And it's these waves that you learn to ride. And you, and you really train your brain that, oh, you know what? It's okay. If I don't eat, I'm not going to die. Right. It's not going to kill me. I can do all of these things without food. Like I haven't eaten for two days and I'm still working and I'm still playing with my kids or I'm doing yard work, or maybe even I go for a jog or I do a light workout or something like, like I'm pretty much functioning as I normally would. And I haven't eaten for two days. Where before you might have thought, well, if I don't eat lunch, I, I'm done. Right. Like I'm wrecked. I can't do anything. And that was just like a story. Well, so then again, it goes into like how you, like you said, how are you approaching it? Like, and mm-hmm. in, in when I was fasting too, one of the things I did was meditate on why are you hungry? <laughs> like, what are you actually hungry for right now? And uh-huh. um, I also, I did this little trick when I did feel hungry is that I put a tiny bit of salt in my water. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to like make me feel full for the rest of the day. Yeah, it, it can help. It can happen. Um, yeah. Is that a bad thing to do? No, I'll do that from time to time too. Yeah. Um, I like, to, um, I'll typically drink a coffee in the morning. For me, I'm sensitive to caffeine. So I usually do decaf, but I put a pinch of salt in it. Yeah. And salt can actually give you a little boost of energy. Um, so I don't think that's tip, that's a bad thing um, yeah. in, in any sense. You can get a little void of electrolytes through the fasting process because your body is getting rid of electrolytes when you urinate and you're not putting anything new in. Right. So like muscle cramps can come and that's typically due to a lack of magnesium, maybe some potassium. So some people like to supplement magnesium and potassium, uh, you know, when they're, when they're fasting. 
Um, another thing to kind of look out for is you're probably going to be less energetic. You right. might even feel a little, a little lethargic, um, colder. So I was body, colder. Oh my God. I was yeah. so much colder. Your body is conserving energy. Yeah. Your, your body is going into conservation mode. Your brain's number one job is to keep you alive. Keep you alive is all it's trying to do. So the brain, the brain has to have energy. The brain knows the heart needs energy to pump. The lungs need energy to go up down. I need energy to keep all these things working. So let's conserve. So, you know, going out for a jog is not the most important thing when energy needs to be conserved in, in the brain's mind. And so producing heat is a very energy intensive uh, process in the body. So you're, so things cool down and that means your energy is going to get lower. So yeah, I'll, I'm cold when I fast. Um, so, you know, fasting in the wintertime is not as, as enjoyable as fasting in the, the summertime uh, because I just, I'm cold all the time. Some people, they sleep like a baby when they fast. Some people, they sleep horribly when they fast. It, uh, you know, it's hard to tell of, of how people are, how people are going to react to that. I slept horrible my first night, slept good the second night. And I wanted to go to bed early. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, forget this, man. I'm going to bed. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm tired. I'm cold. There's nothing to look forward to. I mean, you're going to be a little crabby, you know, when you're fasting and it's, it's just, just accept it. Just be okay with that. Accept it. Let everybody around you know, you're doing it because you might, you know, your fuse might be a little shorter with them. Right. Well, this doesn't sound like it's going to convince somebody to start a fast. <laughs> but now, okay, let's talk about the benefits that you get from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about pain. You know, pain. inflammation, joint pain, just stiffness. All You know, fasting crushes inflammation. The inflammation just drops like a rock when you're fasting. Um, I also was reading something that fasting can help with depression. Also, have you read anything about that? Um, yeah, from time to time, I haven't done any like hard research on yeah. it, but I, I, I do see a correlation in that, in that, okay, think about, I like to think of things through an evolutionary lens. So if, if we're back, you know, and it's 4,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, 50,000 years ago, and Evolution had it so that when you fasted, you got weaker, you got more depressed, and you weren't able to function. What would happen to you as a human? You'd die. You would die. And so it's there's an advantage to you having heightened senses, to having at least sustained energy, if not increased energy. To you not losing muscle fiber and muscle tissue and to be in some kind of a positive mood to have the ambition to go out and find food. So there was there was an advantage for humans to get benefit from fasting. Because if all it did was break us down physically and mentally, we wouldn't have survived as a species. Right. So it makes us more ambitious. You know, some people like they've even seen like growth hormone actually turn on during fasting periods. Interesting. Because if your body just started, because that's one of the fears of people with fasting 
especially somebody who has been like, you know, on, uh, on a goal to like maybe gain weight through like strength training or something like that. Well, I don't want to fast cause I'm going to lose all my muscle, but the, the body is not going to start, uh, you know, preferentially eating up muscle tissue to get energy. It doesn't need to, it has fat to do that. Right. The body and the liver can turn protein into glycogen, into glucose. It can take protein and turn it into, into sugar, but it'd rather not. I mean, that's, that's the last, that's when you get into where you see people who are extremely malnourished and now they're, they're wasting away. It's because they have no more fat to use on their body. And now the only thing left is muscle. So they start using their muscle up. That's way down the line though. That's not two days into a fast, two days into a fast. You're not losing tremendous amounts of muscle. All your organs are going to shrink a bit. Because things are, things are getting recycled. Your body has to continue working and it needs, it needs raw materials to do that. And so what it does is it starts recycling and it's pretty smart. And so it's going to recycle the cells that are either not working very well anymore. Maybe they've been mutated and it's not going to, it's not going to recycle something that's working really well. It's recycling something that's been used. Right. We don't we don't recycle goods we're still using in our house. We recycle the things that we've used already. And that's what the body is doing when you're fasting. So it's it's you know, it just doesn't make sense. And the science is backing this up that you're going to uh to lose all your muscle during a fast. You're going to get so down and depressed that you're not going to want to do anything. But you are going to get tired. And, and some of that can relate to, you know, your your ambition to kind of get up and do things. But I think that's different from a depression. Right. You know, right. it's just low energy in the brain. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I've 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 always found that it's I haven't lost any of my ambition um, to like do things when I'm fasting other than. Like you said, around, you know, seven or eight o'clock at night, me saying, you know, I'm just going to turn it in kind of thing. Yeah. Your, your body's like, go, go rest. Let things yeah. kind of. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, hey, fasting is easy when you're sleeping. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's like it's a quick way to make it to the next day. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about a couple more of the benefits with fasting. Okay. Um, boy, if you want to reset your taste buds, stop eating for a while. Like if you're trying to break like a sugar habit or something like that, it takes three days to reset your taste buds to sugar. So if you're somebody that's trying to break sugar, fasting is a really good way of doing that. Um, you know, some people could say, well, just don't eat sugar, but sometimes that's easier said than done. But if you're not eating any food at all, by default, you're not going to eat sugar. Right. Um, so, I mean, how did that, how did that pancake taste on that morning when you ate? Honestly, not as good as it could have. Because why? Because I'm I made it a little bit differently than I normally did. Oh, okay. okay. And it was just like I didn't have any food in the house, but I knew that I wanted to eat, and that was like it. <laughs> sure. I mean, I for me, like there's nothing better than the first day eating yeah. after a fast. Yeah. Like, I, remember, I remember the very first time I fasted. It was a, um, a long time ago. And it wasn't like a true fast. Like you did like three days of like only eating like raw vegetables and then three days of juice only. And then three days of like vegetables again. But again, this was before I had done anything at all. Right. And I remember the first, 
meal I had outside of like raw vegetables was a sandwich. I mean, I was on a sandwich. It was the best thing I had ever eaten in my whole life. And it made me feel so satisfied. So your, your relationship with satiety is going to change. Like what actually, like how little you need to be satisfied, you know? And so there you're like, you're like resetting um, hunger. You're resetting your satiety. You're resetting your taste buds. You know, you're resetting your digestion. You have all these resets that you're pushing all these reset buttons. You're like cleaning out all the data, all the bad junk in your mind and in your digestive system and in your body. And then you get the benefit of that. Like, yeah, the first couple of days, like if you're on, let's say, call it a 60 or longer hour fast, it's going to take about a day or two for you to start feeling like you're back energy wise. Right. Because the, the body's going through a lot of it is because those organs that shrunk during the fast, they're now they're now filling up again with reserves. And all of that is very energy intense. You know, but once that happens, you kind of get back on track and you don't feel as much of a slave to food anymore as you were before. Like you're like, okay, I'm going to eat. And I don't, I'm, it's fine. Like that's going to be enough for me. I'm be satisfied with that. I'm not going to be looking for food again in the next hour or two. Like you feel like you can go longer periods without eating because you just did it. Right. And so that's, that's a great benefit for me. The inflammation thing is always a, a, a really good benefit for me, you know, in that sense. Um, uh, any like people that have skin issues. So like, let's say you have like a psoriasis or eczema or something like that. A lot of those things can, can be uh, greatly improved through fasting process um, because you're tuning down the immune system and the inflammation. You know, it was interesting. And again, I, I didn't look, but it was interesting because my skin's fairly clear. And I thought it was very interesting on the second day of the fast, my skin broke out and I'm not sure if that was hormonal because my period was coming and I didn't know, but is that normal? Like, I thought that maybe that was kind of like my body processing whatever toxins were in my body and it coming out through my skin. It could be, it was, yeah. it, and it, you know, and it could be the, um, the former too. I mean, it yeah. could have been hormones and your right. cycle and stuff like that. So right. it's kind of hard to tell Yeah, your livers again, your body is recycling. It's cleansing. Yeah. It's getting rid of a lot of debris and junk. And some of that stuff comes out through your skin. Yeah. You know, so that's something to be expected too, is you might, you might see, uh, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, like acne or something like that. Um, but know that it, the fast didn't cause that. The fast just allowed it to come out. Right. Through that process. Um, maybe another, another benefit is time. Like you'd be surprised if you haven't done this before, you are going to be surprised about how much extra time on you have on your hand when you're not thinking about, when you're not preparing, when you're not eating and cleaning up food. Like it's like my days are packed, like jam packed. Like there's yeah. like a free minute in my day. But when I fast, I have like all this free time. I'm like, wow. It's like, I feel like I actually have something that I can do uh, because food takes up a lot of, uh, a lot of time yeah. to do all those kind of things. So you know, you're not spending money on food for the time you're not fasting. You know, you're not putting energy into it. You don't got to clean any dishes. It's like, hey, this is actually kind of easy. 
Yeah. To, to do that. And so that, that really can benefit in that sense. Um, and then the, the experience that you gain out of it. Now you have knowledge that you can talk to other people about. And it gives you confidence also with the self-discipline that you create. Oh, yeah. You just did a very hard thing. I mean, what does that do to somebody who thinks that they can't accomplish anything? Um, so my other question would be, what's the longest time you've done a fast? And if somebody's, I mean, what's like the ideal amount of time? Let's not say it's like your first time, just skip a meal, just do a day. But like, what is the ideal amount of time to do a fast? I would say, um, what you did, Megan, I think would be a good place for somebody to start who, who, who has played around a little bit with it, but they kind of want to say, okay, where's, where should I start at? Um, the longest fast I've done is seven days. How was that? Um, it's, it's the same that you experienced. Um, the first, the first three days suck. Like the first day is not actually that bad. Mm -mm. you're still kind of, you're still working on like what's in your stomach already in in, in your intestines. And you still got plenty of glycogen sugar flying around. Second day is hard. Third day is hard. But when you wake up on the fourth day, you're, you're like full ketosis at that point. And you actually feel like you ate food. It's it's, it's so weird. It's like, well, I I don't feel as hungry as I, as I had the last three days. I feel a little bit more energetic. Um, I might not, I'm not even as cold as I was before. And so then you kind of start to, you get to like ride out this train now of like better energy, um, less, um, less of that, like kind of lethargic feeling because what's happening is your brain now is starting to get the same level of energy as it was before, because your, your, your liver is just pumping out ketones at this point. It's just, it's, it's new. It's a, uh, it's mobilizing fats in out of your fat cells. It's pumping out ketones. Your blood sugar is at like a real nice baseline. So your insulin's at like a real nice base. Like everything is just like, and, and, and your senses are now heightened now. So you're starting to see clear and your, your smell is real. And you're like, you like, you can like, you have this third eye kind of thing. It's, it's really cool at that point. Did you drink coffee on that one or just water? Coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've never done a, I, no, I've, I've never done a, um, like a, more than three days without, uh, without like something other than tea or coffee, something hot. It's mostly hot stuff. Right. Just cause I get so cold. It's not cause of the caffeine. Cause I don't, I do decaf, but it's just something that's like, it kind of warms me up in the morning. Yeah you know, but there's nothing in the coffee. Yeah. Um, and, um, I was drinking hot lemon water a lot. That was kind of like my, yeah. 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 That, that, that's good. Um, if, if now coffee does have to be processed in the liver, so does lemon, I mean, anything other than pure water has to be processed in the liver and it's going to turn on some liver enzymes. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to do, you know, if they like really want to clean out the liver, do like a liver fast, then that would be like water only kind of thing. I do like it. And, and, um, you know, the, the non-caloric sparkling waters, those, those are fine as well. They just have kind of like the natural flavors in them. Right. Like no juice or no sugar substitute, just straight, you know, bubbly water. Those are okay. Um, and, uh, so that's why I say, start with like a 60 hour fast. 
you know, like eat dinner, let's say Sunday night, and then don't eat again until Wednesday morning. And then from there, you know, push it out because in doing that, you've, you've went through all the struggle and you didn't get much of the benefit. Like in the past yet, you're getting benefit on the other side. Right. You're not getting to feel that point of, Oh, I actually feel like I ate now. I feel like I'm just like, I'm, I'm ready to go. Like I'm zoomed in, I'm dialed in. Um, those are pretty interesting, uh, feelings to get to have, and you don't, you can't get them outside anywhere else. Well, then my next question would be two questions here. One, when would it be a good time for me to do a fast again? And two, what would be the next time frame that I try to work towards? I would say give it at least 30 days. Yeah. You do another, you know, uh, anything more than 24 hours. Okay. Um, if you're going to do, if you're going to do another time frame, then I would go, uh, let's say Sunday through at least Thursday morning, but okay. probably better if you do Sunday through Friday, if you really want to kind of feel like what those Oh, I want are. to, I'm in it. <laughs> yeah. So it's, and it, it's different for everybody. So yeah. you might, you might get that like Wednesday midday or Wednesday night. Yeah. It might not come till Thursday afternoon for you. Right. But, but if you go from Sunday night to Friday, you're going to, you're going to get those, feel that benefit come through with that. What is um, that? Five days, four days? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's five nights. Got it. You know, kind of things so you yeah. do the calculations on the hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, during that process, I mean, you are now getting into a deeper fast and you do want to stay, you do want to keep your movement up from your body. Cause you, you might not be losing great amounts of, uh, of muscle, but you will lose some. Right. And if you can, if you can keep up some type of exercise, then you, you, you'll probably just hold it as opposed to losing it down. Right. So that means some weight training. That means some resistance, um, some amount of cardio, I mean, cause you don't, you know, if your body's used to exercising, you don't want to just stop doing that for five minutes. Right. Well, and then that, I feel like the exercise in itself can help assist the like clearing out because yeah. you're sweating, getting all that stuff out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. You're pushing that along. You, you, you'll probably be more ambitious to do so once you, once your body turns that switch yeah. to that ketosis switch on. Oh, I can't wait to try this. Yeah. It's, it's very, it, it's very interesting as you, as you go through it. I've never done more than seven, but I've, I've talked to people who have done, you know, uh, nine, 10 day fasts, um, or even longer. Yeah. There's, there's a clinic here, um, in where I live at that, um, they do 20 day water only fasts. Wow. It's a doctor, um, you know, managed, you know, you're, it's inpatient. You're actually in the place and they're kind of watching you as you go through and they're taking vitals and stuff like that. And that is, you know, you, you kind of want to pay attention to that stuff. I mean, you yeah. don't want to, you know, get into a place to where, you know, your electrolytes are getting out of balance or something like that. Cause it can affect your heart. Right. Yeah. So if you're, I mean, if, if say I do Sunday night to Friday morning or whatever that is, should I be measuring my glucose levels? I would do it. Um, just to see. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, it's amazing to look at the, the, the number on the right. meter and go, I haven't eaten for four days and my glucose is at 60. 
Yeah. Or 50. It's just like it's staying right there. It just it shows you how amazing the body is. Yeah. Like how amazing is this thing to be able to keep, you know, keep me like right there, like locked in kind of thing. So yeah, I would do that. Um, and it can be a, an important tool if you start to not feel good, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and like if you're going hypo and you're like, you know, if you if you if you've been like let's say it's day three, day four, and you're at like 57 you know, on, on your glucose monitor. And then all of a sudden you drop down into the forties and that's a red flag. Right. You want to kind of pay attention to stuff. Now it might just be, you get a dip, you know, you dip down and you dip back up, but if you start feeling really bad and you're getting, and you start getting into those like lower end of the forties or even the high, I mean, that's, you, you want to watch that because you can get into trouble. Yeah. You can get, I mean, most people's bodies are able to, to overcome that, you know, with uh, the process of ketosis, but some people, they're not going to build, they're not managing it very well. And at that point, then you're probably going to want to eat something. Um, I'm not going to lie. Their conversation today has made me, not that I didn't know, but it's really just <laughs> made me realize how much I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're not alone. Baby. I know. This, I mean, that, the more I, the more I, I learn the more I learn that I don't know shit. Yeah. And like I study this almost, almost every day. Yeah. Like I'm doing some type of research on something. Um, and it's like, it's a never ending tunnel to go down because it's, it's such a hard science to, to test, you know, it's like, you know, double blind controlled, uh, you know, uh, placebo human trials on nutrition are far and few between. Right. Is who's going to sign up for that stuff? Who's going to say, sure, I'll eat hamburgers for the next 30 years and see if I die faster. You know, it's like, or, or I'll eat a vegan diet for the next 30 years and see if I live longer. It's like, right. Not a lot of people are going to want to sign up for that stuff. Right. So it makes it, it, it makes it difficult on the scientists to come up with a good answer to a lot of these questions. So, so we become our own scientists. We become an end of one study. So study yourself yeah. and go off your intuition, see what feels good. Try things out. Um, I guess my last question here would be, what would you, what would you say to somebody who is afraid to try something new when it comes to their eating? Um, more nutrition. Ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. You know, I mean, you and I just talked about not eating for the last hour and a half. We're both still here. You're not, you're not going to die. It's not going to hurt you to try something new. Um, what you're being fearful of is the, um, it's, uh, it's the thought of the pain that, you are going to feel from not having something in the future. And what I mean by that is it's all what we're creating in our mind. So like, let's say somebody is thinking about, okay, I want to get off of sugar, you know, um, and they really like chocolate and the thought of not having chocolate and what that means to them. And maybe chocolate is the one thing that is like their, their me time at night. You know, like they've had a long day and 
they they usually will sit down after dinner and they'll have like a little they'll have some chocolate with themselves or like a glass of wine or something like that. Well, that's that's what chocolate means to them. It means me time. It means security. It means like you know uh, self care. Right. And the thought of not having that anymore can scare somebody. Um, but there's other ways to go about doing that. And just because you're trying something doesn't mean that you can't have it anymore. So this, this idea of deprivation of never again, it's scary to people. They don't want, they don't want to have to think about that, but nothing is forever. The world is ever, ever moving forward. Things are always changing. And so just because you're doing something right now, doesn't mean you're going to be doing it later. So just try it for your own sake. This gets me excited. It's so, I mean, everything you just said is incredibly powerful. Um, where can people learn more about you? My website is probably the best place to look. Yeah. Uh, everydaynutrition.net. Cool. Uh, well. .net, and it has a lot of resources on there. Um, I do a food blog with recipes and stuff like that. And there's a contact page. So if anybody's interested in, um, you know, contacting me about uh, anything. I mean, feel free to reach out. I love talking to people. I do free consultations. Well, thank you for chatting with me today. This was an utmost pleasure. Thank you, Megan. Always, always like talking with you about stuff. <laughs> thank Anytime. you. Anytime. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the world of wellness podcast. If you like this episode, please like, and subscribe to our YouTube channel or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you have a friend who's been interested in fasting or wants to learn more, please share that with them and help us reach our goal of reaching 1000 subscribers on our YouTube channel by sharing, liking, subscribing, and Keep working on your health, keep getting fit, keep feeling good, keep having fun, and we will see you next week on the World of Wellness Center podcast.